I have done my fair share of time working with farmers and trying to get them to do things a certain way. Um, <laughs> Being told what to do. Yeah. I know none of us love it, but like we do live in a society and people are buying a thing from you and they expect it to be a certain way. And not kill them. That's the big one. Are you not in Kansas anymore? (laughs) He's got a Wizard of Oz yellow brick road, uh, Emerald City backdrop. That's fantastic. I love that for you. (laughs) Yeah, it used to be my background uh, during COVID. Because all I wanted to do is get out of Kansas. Yeah, you know, like I saw Wizard of Oz when I was a kid. And you're just kind of like, huh, a movie. And then started working in the fields at 14 blah 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 and then you know after a couple decades of working in agriculture that movie hits different i will say um Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's real different yeah you're like oh this is too relatable spoilers for wizard of oz um (laughs) if you haven't seen it yet the whole adventure in oz is like a hallucination that dorothy is having after she gets knocked unconscious in the tornado and the scarecrow the tin man and the cowardly lion are all like farmhands that her family employs right mm-hmm. so like number one having worked for farmers i'm like oh man i'm one of the three guys that's me for sure there's no illusions of like owning the farm for me no um <laughs> like, i feel like a lot of people like when they think about the past we can't really help thinking like oh yes i would have been one of the lords and ladies in the castle because that's just what we see and i'm like oh i would for sure oh. be a peasant because i know what that looks like um <laughs> that's what it feels like to me yeah so yeah that movie that movie hits different after you work for farmers for a while so that was a long prologue that's all right, because I'm going to make the podcast really short. Yeah. It's going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's going to be real great. It's real easy. It's like, how do broiler chickens work on contract? <laughs> Somebody read the contract, figured out it fit in their production, and then they just did the thing. Did they read the contract, though? That sounds unrealistic to me. <laughs> right? Like, that's devil talk right there. Contract. <laughs> like oh there's paperwork uh yeah so the goal of this episode is we're going to talk about poultry farming specifically broiler chicken farming and broiler chickens is a fancy word for it's not the chickens that lay eggs it's the ones you put in the oven or like under a broiler so it's it's meat chickens is what they mean when they say broilers and i um, had to explain that to my roommate's wife last night oh what's a broiler chicken (laughs) well it's the one you stick in the broiler yeah (laughs) it's not the egg kind it's the other kind yeah, it's so funny because when you're doing podcasts about agriculture stuff with agriculture people, you're like, bur, 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 bur. oh, we'd better stop and explain this. Okay. <laughs> What's that word? Contract farming, just like contract killing, only it's, uh, you know. I think contract killers make more money. Just kidding. Um, uh, a lot of contract farmers make a lot of money, too. First, we should talk about what it is, how the industry works. We should talk about why chickens get farmed on contract, like why that's a thing. Most of them do, but some of them don't. Right, yeah. And like, what is the difference? And like, why would somebody make that choice to do it one way or the other? Some of the financial realities behind it, because I find that there's a lot of misinformation out there about the finances of broiler farming, even among people who are like trying to help farmers. There's <laughs> there's a lot of crazy information out there. What it actually is like to farm poultry. And then if we have time, I'd like to get into some of the history of it, because I feel like we have this idea, spoiler, that 
contract farming just kind of came out of nowhere and forced farmers to do it that way. Yeah, the reality is farmers asked for this. It used to be different kind of people that farm chickens and then some other people wanted in and they figured out if they could make it capital intensive, they could drive the other people out. So that's what they did. So the people who are complaining that they've been forced to do it this way, I'm like, uh, your grandpa lied to you about what he did. <laughs> great grandpa. <laughs> great, great, yeah, great grandpa. Oh, depends. Yeah, at this point, I'm like, yeah, if the farmer seventy, yeah. maybe it's grandpa. But yeah, so yeah, there's some stuff in farming history. I think anytime somebody tells you, particularly people in the wealth level that farmers occupy in today's United States, which is surprisingly high, if they're telling you, if a millionaire is telling you someone forces them to do it this way on their own property. They're probably lying. <laughs> so <laughs> just going to put that out there. Okay. So, and then like full disclosure, we should mention like neither one of us are personally involved in the broiler industry. Not a chicken farmer. <laughs> not a chicken farmer because people who are will not talk about it. <laughs> yeah. We both worked around the broiler industry. Like I've audited Adjacent. some produce farms that were also chicken farms and you need to talk to some people about some stuff. And you can also, if you read statistics, you will learn some things. <laughs> When we talk about what contract farming is and why chicken tends to work that way, like just the need for a, a chicken processing plant, you know, like a slaughterhouse that'll do all that stuff. That's really kind of the linchpin of this whole thing. Farmers typically have not wanted to do that work themselves. And there, there's kind of this whole mythology of like, oh, it's the food safety regulations that made them do it this way, blah, 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 blah. My finding is that's not really true. But yeah, to like some extent it is, but for the most part, no. Yeah, like a little bit it is, but not really. It's kind of like... uh artisanal honey yeah it's like yeah food safety is kind of a pain in the butt but like also it's not that complicated like don't spray shit everywhere if you do clean it up <laughs> you know it's like not actually very exotic i'm a food safety specialist so maybe it just seems easy to me but like uh it ain't rocket science so if your dairy cows are on antibiotics maybe give them time to cycle the antibiotics out of their system for you hook them back up yeah you know just like kind of basic stuff <laughs> like that things. like yeah, it does add a couple steps to your process, but you're like, well, the alternative is dosing people with antibiotics who didn't want it. So uh, do your job. Very hot take uh, in the agricultural sphere. <laughs> do your job. <laughs> That's our positionality with the poultry industry, right? We're not personally involved with it. The people who are personally involved with it would be an amazing source, but they won't talk about it because you don't want to risk your relationship with your poultry contractor because that is a very top-down relationship which people chose to get into. <laughs> and also like, they're going to have very specific, you know, I'm a farmer who chose to contract with poultry. Therefore, everything that's wrong with this industry is not my fault kind of thing. Well, it's Tyson chicken's fault. Yeah. And like Tyson, of course, feels like nothing is their fault. And, you know, they're like, we're standing up for small family farms because that's who most of our contractors are and blah, blah, blah. So everybody involved in it has a very specific, very strong opinion that they have about it for very personal interest reasons. That's not to say I have no personal interest, but I'm not involved in the industry. I've been around it enough to kind of pick up on what's going on. I can read statistics. And we've both been involved in the agricultural space enough to kind of know some stuff about the interior of it just through repeated exposure. So that's where we are for what it's worth. Tell us what an... So that's how they do it on that side, on the yeah. integrator side. <laughs> yeah. When professionals do it. So I want to be clear. This is not like... Yeah, when professionals do it. Yeah, this is not like a pro-integrator podcast. I'm not like, and the integrators are the heroes and they're doing the real work. I'm just like, well, no. some things I have to get straight because economies of scale, yeah. you can't get your water temperature wrong and survive. Should we talk about the manure aftermarket? The chicken shit riches? Yeah. <laughs> so, turns out fertilizer's expensive. 
like astronomically expensive. Yeah. Some years more than others, but especially right now. Yeah. Doesn't help that that massive stockpile blew up two years ago, three years ago. Is that Beirut or somewhere else? I believe that was Beirut, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, fun fact, it's a little tangent. That was also where they stored all their grain for the country. So like, uh, <laughs> yeah, real bad time. Not good. Yeah. And good luck trying to rebuild it during COVID. So that's part of why Lebanon was hit so hard by the wheat thing was they're used to very small rapid fire shipments from Ukraine because they had no big storage facility. They just had to get it on a, a weekly boat. They had no big storage facility anymore. Anymore. Yeah. You're just like, oh, 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 yeah, oh. <laughs> Okay, so fertilizer. Sorry, back to fertilizer. Yeah, fertilizer is expensive. And chicken manure is not expensive. Yep. And that's one of the reasons why I made the comment about settling ponds is it's all got to go out there somewhere. And then you've got to let it settle to the bottom then you drain the water off. And now you've got fertilizer. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. In my experience, it's mostly hog farms that use settling ponds. Poultry tends to be more like a dry litter. I don't know about that i i don't know hmm. i've only ever been around uh, hog farming and dairies and things like that oh yeah dairies can do so, yeah manure ponds too yeah 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 the theory is that you make a slurry and then settle the solids out and then you have liquid fertilizer mm, yeah mostly because dairy and hog barns for whatever reason they hose down rather than sweep out i believe because of the diet mm -hmm. i believe it is more liquid Runny. than it already starts off right yeah not does not sweep very well no. as i understand it like good luck squeegeeing <laughs> you might get that done but yeah 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 whereas like poultry it's more like if you've ever kept a pet bird it's actually pretty similar like you keep it in a cage or a pen and there's a bunch of newspapers or wood shavings or something down there that's absorbent and it's mm. like birds don't really pee a lot they just don't do that the most of their waste is very solid and so you can have a dry litter there that kind of absorbs any remaining moisture, will soak up some of the ammonia, and then you can sweep it out. So that's birds. And so you wind up with what they call poultry litter, which is just, in the case of broilers, I think they hang out on the same wood shavings for the whole 8 to 12 weeks. And so you start with a nice thick pile, and then you wind up with a thinner trap. <laughs> a nice down, thick pile. Yeah. <laughs> chunky pile. <laughs> chunky. So like after you ship the birds off, then you got to sweep out the barn and figure out what to do with all the manure. Turns out it's cheap. It's good fertilizer. The fun thing about it is, especially mm. when you have a period when the price for fertilizer suddenly spikes. So, like, poultry litter is not that concentrated. Like, you need a big truck of it to get the same amount of nutrients you might get from, like, a ammonium nitrate or a concentrated liquid ammonia. So you need a lot more. It's a pain in the butt to handle. It smells. It's a waste product that some people are eager to get rid of. So you can buy it for less than the value of the nutrients it contains. Especially like if fertilizer prices just skyrocketed within the last six yeah. months, the nutrients in that poultry manure came from feed that was grown when nutrients were cheaper. So like the grain they ate was relatively inexpensive. So that is a great way to get really low cost fertilizer if you're <laughs> living through a fertilizer uh, price spike. So a lot of poultry farmers, my understanding is, like, really make their money on manure. They're either selling it to somebody else, or more often they have enough land, they can spread it on their own land, and that's free fertilizer. And so they're able to grow a crop with a major expense removed, Yeah, is how a lot of people do it. Um, especially In the tobacco industry, this is what's called, like, a waterfall. Mm -hmm. You have your premium product, right? Mm -hmm. The top of the line, your product is chicken. Mm -hmm. That's what you're advertised as. That's what you're known for. Mm -hmm. 
But then you've got the next product. Oh, well, we have a lot of waste feathers. We'll sell those to whoever. Mm -hmm. Always need feathers for something. Down coats, whatever the fuck. Mm -hmm. Next level down. Oh, well, we've got this mountain of shit out there that we have to do something with mm -hmm. before it spontaneously combusts. Yeah. Well, we've got a farm. Mm -hmm. We can just load that up in the back of the shit pitcher and... <laughs> Send the kid out there for seven twenty-five an hour and have well, actually it can be less than seven twenty-five an hour yeah. because agriculture is exempt from minimum wage. Yeah. So he can be out there for a quarter an hour mm -hmm. driving a truck around pitching chicken shit. Right. Yeah. So that's the fun thing is like, yes, manure is more labor intensive than artificial fertilizers to apply because there's just so much more of it that you have to use to get the same nutrients. But doesn't matter that it's more work because labor is worthless in agriculture. So it all pencils out. It does. And the thing is, is, you're doing this so that everything you touch is its own stream of income. Mm -hmm. And it never ties back to you so long as you keep your mouth shut. <laughs> yeah, you're just like, everyone's using this poultry manure. Isn't that great for the whole county? <laughs> yeah. Isn't that great? There was this really interesting farm I worked with once doing a food safety audit. I was there for their watermelons. I was just like, let's check your watermelon field, make sure everything's legit over there. But because it's a southern farm that's very large, they had like four poultry barns. So that's what they were doing was they were growing enough poultry to basically like supply their entire farm with fertilizer without ever having to buy any. So you can't put raw poultry litters straight on the watermelon crop because watermelons get eaten raw. You don't want to grow them in shit. That's actually one of the things I was checking for is making sure you're not doing that. But they also had, like, I don't know, tobacco, cotton, soybeans, other things that are, like, not eaten raw by humans. So they could use a litter on that. And then the year after they applied it, then they can plant the watermelons on there. Like, you do a little crop rotation. So that's another way to do it. Like, maybe they had to buy a little synthetic fertilizer for that, but they had a good baseline level of fertility thanks to the litter. So one of my favorite factoids about broiler farming, when it came to the South... It was supposed to be like a sustainable, we're going to regenerate the South darling, because after World War II, right, the soils there were just really impoverished from like growing 200 years worth of cotton. It was famous for having like a lot of eroded gullies and that kind of thing. I think there's like an artificial canyon in Georgia that accidentally got made uh, <laughs> like through cotton farming. It's not because the farmers up north were more diligent. There's actually a lot of gullying and ravining up there. It's just that their ground is frozen for a lot of the year. And so you don't have as many torrential downpours that can create the gullies when you farm badly. So that's the thing I want to be clear on is the North had a lot more livestock farming. So they had a lot more manure available, whereas the South, it was mostly just plants. And so you're pulling nutrients out of the soil constantly. So poultry and, and broiler farming was supposed to reverse that. It was like, we're going to buy all this grain from the Midwest. We're going to haul it down here, put it through chickens because we don't need a lot of heating. We can grow broilers year round here without a lot of heating costs. Yeah. We're going to get all this free fertilizer out of it and it's going to rebuild the South. So like contract poultry farming was a sustainable agriculture darling at one point. This is my favorite part of the thing, right? <laughs> Once upon a time, 